from the standpoint of what automation has done for me. It's certainly saved me tons of money. There's no question about that. But what it has also done is it has improved my quality of life. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of time that I used to spend grinding on numbers uh, to get some information that I needed to run my business, I can now choose how I spend that time. Can I? And and some of that time is spent on on improving my quality of life. So I would encourage senior leaders to understand that you're not just automating minutes and repurposing employees. You're also maximizing the value of your time. Welcome back to Bots and Thoughts, the hyper-automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. I'm your host, Jimmy Hewitt, a.k.a. Mr. Automation. Hey, automation pros. I hope you're as excited as I am for this episode with Tim Goff, founder and CEO of GeForce Software, the makers of MyGroundForce. MyGroundForce automates virtually every middle back office process or task associated with managing a FedEx line haul contractor business and is powered by IBM RPA. You may not be in the FedEx line haul contractor business, but I'm certain that you will be very familiar with the themes that we'll be discussing during our conversation. I cannot wait for you to hear what Tim and his team have accomplished with IBM RPA. It is one of the most advanced projects that I've seen over the years. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Tim, thank you so much for joining us on Bots and Thoughts today. How are you? Uh, thank you, Jimmy. I'm I'm doing well. I appreciate the invitation. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Really looking forward to it as well. I've really enjoyed getting to know you over these last few weeks. You've got some amazing stories to share with regards to how RPA is helping your business and your clients. We're going to get into that. But if you don't mind getting us started by describing who is Tim Goff, uh, tell us about the roles that you've had leading up to RPA. Thanks, Jimmy. Well, it is a pretty interesting story. Um, you know, I grew up in West Tennessee in farm country, always wanted to be a Navy pilot. Never been a Navy pilot from my county in Tennessee. So um, I went to the Naval Academy, graduated in 1984, and became a Navy pilot. And then spent nine years flying airplanes for the Navy. Um, when I got out in the early 90s, I was going to be an airline pilot, and the airlines were laying off. So then I had to get a real job, and I took a job as a one of the early fiber optic engineers working for Corning, and then spent the next 25 years in high-tech communications, moved from the passive network side to the active network side uh, in, in a multitude of different roles in high, very high-tech equipment, uh, laser transmission systems. I had I ran a global division in a Fortune 500 company installing networks around the world. Um, I was VP of quality, uh, certified quality manager, understood the implementation of world-class business processes uh, throughout the business. Uh, Ended up as the COO in a startup company that built the fastest network in the world for high-frequency traders between Chicago and New York. Uh, it It was pretty special, and we ended up Make, they ended up making a movie about it, writing books about it, things like that. That company ended up uh, getting sold, and I took my money from that company. And after a lot of research, 
bought into the FedEx Ground line haul business. Uh, FedEx Ground, most folks might not know, but when you see a FedEx Ground truck, that's actually a small business uh, doing all the transportation. FedEx Ground does not own any trucks. Hmm. All their trucks are owned by contractors. And so I have a I have two actually now FedEx ground line haul trucking companies. We run about 50 trucks across three states for FedEx ground in the southeast. And so, it was, you know, I took the money and started a couple companies. So that's kind of my story. Um, so I went from flying planes to running high tech networks to running a trucking company. It might not be much connectivity there between those three chapters of your life, Tim, but the closer you look at it, I think there is. So think about the military. How do they run? Very procedurally oriented, right? Quality is very important. Your next role, you were vice president of quality, right? Chief operating officer. Uh, All of these distinct experiences pull on the same skill set, right? You know a good efficient, quality, compliant process when you see one. So do you think that those experiences leading up to um, your work as a line haul contractor kind of helped you, well, maybe get into it. What, What about being a line haul contractor prompted you to start looking at RPA and eventually build out what you've built out? Um, and, and I'll ask you to describe it exactly what you have built out here in a moment, but how do you think those previous experiences helped, helped you, helped lead you to RPA? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I would say going all the way back to the Naval Academy and then especially in Naval Aviation, um, you know, it's extremely procedural, uh, and there's, little room for non-compliance, shall we say. So I guess probably my mind is developed in that way from, from, you know, from early on. And then pretty, as I look back on it, pretty much every position I've ever had, we've done some automation. Even in, when I was in the Navy, we I did some things that hadn't been done before in terms of procedural organization and things like that. And, um, you know, when I got to my trucking operation, this was not my first attempt to, not my first automation project, let's put it that way. Now, it's the first project using RPA, which is relatively new technology, but I had done automation projects in the past because I'd always had this idea that if, we, if we're going to try to help the company perform at its maximum return, um, we have to maximize the value of the people that we have, but have as few people as we need. And how can we lean on technology to, to help advance the company's strategic goals, particularly financially. And so when I got into the trucking business, I, um, I started looking around and talking to other contractors and said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a new contractor. What, what, what tools are you guys using to run your business? And they're like, tools? There are no tools. Um, and when you come in as a contractor at FedEx, they don't give you a bag of how-tos. They just say, okay, now you're a contractor, and you pretty much have to figure it all out yourself. So it's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge, honestly. You have all these requirements to be a, a compliance operation with a Fortune 50 company who has more lawyers than you got trucks, and you have to figure out how to do that. And 
the bigger you get, the more people you need to stay on top of all of it, and which is the enemy of profitability, right? So mm-hmm. um, I started, I mean, we had some pretty fancy spreadsheets, and we were pretty organized, but still we had all kinds of mistakes because the there was there's a human involved in that, and if that human is out sick or on vacation, all of a sudden key processes in the company come to a halt, and you are not able to grow your business and improve profitability as you grow because the cost curve is stuck directly to the growth curve. And you have to find a way as you grow, if you're going to gain any advantage of scale of getting scale in your business, you have to flatten the cost curve. And what became very evident to me is that there was no flattening the cost curve in the FedEx ground line haul business with the current tools that we had available. Every business I looked at was just using a lot of spreadsheets and a lot of people. And the bigger they got, the more people they had. And so profitability was kind of attached to the to the the cost curve and the growth curve were on the same slope. And that's yeah. not a good that's not a good approach. So um, I got a lot of friends and you know over the course of time in different uh, high tech worlds. And um, it just so happened that I have a really good friend of mine, very close friend of mine, who had had started a software company that was writing RPA robot uh, solutions and turned out to be writing some of the best code in the world, in fact, for these kinds of automation solutions. I reached out to him, and we met at Ted's Montana Grill in Norcross, Georgia, and we started talking about it, and we architected the first version of the system on the back of a Ted Montana Grill napkin. I still have the napkin, by the way. Of course he and, did. Uh, <laughs> and we went from there um, and then built a prototype using very basic technology but using uh, the RPA robot, and it worked. And I first demoed that in February of 2020. And so then we started putting together a business plan to to build a system that would essentially automate everything inside a FedEx ground company. Uh, mm-hmm. So that there would not be a need for any spreadsheets or any admins or anything like that to run your business. You would need an office manager or something like that inside your company to stay on top of all the automation. But the automation, would you would just feed the robot. That's what I like to say. Just feed the robot and uh, we'll do the work for you. Yeah. And uh, let's get so into some we, of those back office processes. One really yeah. common one that resonates inside and outside of line, line hall contractors is payroll. How does your platform powered by RPA help help make a payroll process more efficient? What does that look like? That's a that, that is a key question. Payroll and in FedEx ground companies who don't use our technology is incredibly labor intensive. Um, typically, you want to align your labor costs with your revenue, right? You mm-hmm. have some targets that you're trying to hit if you're running a business the right way, um, and so then you. You review your invoices, and you can kind of figure you rely on what you pay employees with, what your revenue is, et cetera. Well, FedEx uh, issues a what they call a settlement statement every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern. And essentially that settlement statement is a summary of all your work for the previous week in your company. That you It's at a dispatch level, so one origin to a destination. Uh, and it tells you what truck it was and what the driver was and how much you got paid for that particular run. Uh, but it's in PDF or, or CSV. 
Uh, there's also some fuel information. If you use the FedEx fuel card, there's some all the charges are listed. But it's just a flat file, right? So if you, you take that file and you get next week's, then you have another flat file. And so then you have to you have to start dumping data into pivot tables or very complicated macros in Excel to be able to start automating some things. And mm-hmm. that is not the way, right? So a then lot you, of finance that, people your, out there. <laughs> so that's, the a tough thing. that's a tough thing to do. So what I came up with is a solution in which our robot logs in and downloads your settlement. We take that settlement, we put it into a MySQL database running in the Microsoft Azure cloud in the relational database section. Very, very, very cyber secure, so your data is completely safe. So then once we capture all your data, then we turn the robots loose and they run all night on Tuesday night. And when you wake up on Wednesday morning, there's been a lot of work done and it's all available to you. as you get up and put your bathrobe on and get your cup of coffee, crank up my ground force, hey, all the work's been done, and you have you have a lot of data ready for you. And one of those pieces of data is the payroll report. So what we did is we analyzed how payroll is done in FedEx ground companies, and we have a set of point-and-click rules. So we And you just go in on, a, on an employee-level basis, set the payroll rules for that employment, for that employee. And it's very Mm -hmm. simple. It's just point and click. And then, uh, you know, and then when you add an employee, then you just set that employee's rules up. Uh, Very, very simple to do. It takes less than 20 seconds to enable payroll for an employee. And we also track uh, non-driver employees. And so we can can do a complete payroll for your whole company, driver and non-driver. And it's all point and click. And essentially what we're doing is feeding the robot. So then on, on Tuesday night, whenever the settlement gets downloaded by the robot, then they start plowing through the data. And they use the, we use a rules-based system, and they just start looking at those rules and saying, okay, well, this driver did these things. Uh, what are the calculations associated with the rules for what he actually did? And... Uh, they turn out payroll without error every Wednesday morning, and um, that is so I used powerful, to have, Tim. I had, oh my. I, I was spending easily sixty or seventy man hours a week uh, trying to work my way through all the things in payroll because you really don't want to make any payroll errors, right? That's mm-hmm. not a, it, it's, it's not really what you should be doing as a company legally, and it sure is not how you retain employees by constantly messing up their payroll. So. But no matter how hard we worked in this manual system, we were always making mistakes, and then we would immediately correct them. Uh, there's just so many moving parts when, you know, you you invoice $200,000 a week at, you know, three or $400 at a time. There's a lot going on, and it was just so easy to make mistakes. Now I have nobody doing payroll. <laughs> I have uh, all those man hours are gone. I don't have those people on my staff anymore. And what happens is the robot does all the payroll. There will be puts and takes that happen during the week. My senior leadership has a has a notebook, and they'll make payroll notes, you know, to make some manual adjustments to payroll and things that can't be automated that happen dynamically through the course of a business. Mm-hmm. And then on Wednesday morning, the office manager comes in, and she does a lot of things. Part of her uh, requirement is on Wednesday morning. She goes through the payroll report. She makes the few manual notations that have to be made, and payroll is done. We used to get payroll out at four o'clock Eastern, and my accountant would be screaming 
you have got to get this to me. You're running late. I'm not going to be able to pay this week. We're having all those negative conversations every single week. We now send payroll to her at 1130 on Wednesday morning. That's every week. Too many screams now, are you? <laughs> I have not heard. We have not had a driver complain about not getting paid properly and since we started using the software. The power of automation. Isn't that a beautiful and thing? And if those yeah. payroll folks helping out were full-time employees, you'd be able to find higher value tasks for them to work on. It sounds like they were contracted hourly employees, so you've you've reduced your dependency on on hourly contractor help, which is, sounds like it's really good for business. Uh, what other well, we, back we office? Put, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, we we repurposed that um, in in our business, as I said. The, the more you grow, the more headcount you had to add in the back office. And so we essentially, we don't need that anymore. Um, and so that's a net cost savings to the bottom line. I've done the analysis on what's what my ground force has meant to my company. My my two trucking companies pay full price. I don't cut my, cut my trucking companies a discount. Uh, we pay full price, and it costs me $18,000, $20,000 a year for subscriptions to my ground force. And this year it will save me about $250,000. So I try to do one of those wow. every year. That's a good program. You're saying it pays for itself 10 times over per year. That's what it's done in my company. How amazing. We have a client whose uh, solution has, whose RPA solution has paid for itself uh, two and a half times now. And we are just over eight months into the year. Um, yours is Yours is paying for itself almost three times faster than that. So that's that's amazing. Hey, any line haul contractors out there not using mygroundforce.com, please check it out. Incredible example of how hyper automation can help you separate your growth curve from your cost curve. That's just a beautiful way of thinking about it. You can grow profitably uh, unattached to your cost curve with hyper automation. It's just a beautiful thing. We're talking about back office automation, Tim. We spent some time on payroll. Compliance is a biggie. Tell us how your hyper automation platform helps support compliance and what's an example of that? Absolutely. You know, there's really there's really two big compliance pillars inside a trucking company. It's driver compliance and truck compliance compliance and in the FedEx world trucks are often referred to as tractors hmm. and so there are, those are DOT federal government required uh, type of compliance regulations and no one is very forgiving of non-compliant situations so uh, you have to stay you have to stay 100% compliance all the time now there's also a compliance requirement for hours of service uh, that has already been mostly automated by electronic logging device companies. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really in dealing with any compliance requirements and hours of service. I'll focus on the things that you have to do inside your company to stay compliant with drivers and tractors. And so drivers have a, a you know, a commercial driver's license and all hours have a level A license and those have an expiration date. Um, and they all have to have a DOT approved uh, uh, health uh, uh, inspection on themselves and we call it a medical card uh, hmm. that expires on a period basis as well and so we used to track all that in spreadsheets and then call drivers or you know had a person a full-time person 
who had all these spreadsheets tracking 50 plus drivers. Compliance manager. That's what it boiled down to in 50 plus trucks and texting drivers, calling drivers, emailing drivers, and trying to make sure that those documents came in and we got them updated, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a lot of work and it was fraught with uh, opportunities to make mistakes. And we often did, like every other small trucking company. Um, and the same thing on the on the truck tractor side. Each tractor has to have an annual inspection that has to be submitted. And then uh, along tractors also have service intervals that you have to maintain uh, that are also required. Um, and so there's all these things that you have to track. And so I had a person managing driver compliance, and I had a person managing maintenance scheduling and compliance. And I automated all of that. Yeah. So I don't I don't have that headcount doing that work anymore. Essentially, what we did is, whenever we onboard an employee, we put in all the compliance information in the system, mm-hmm. um, and then the robots manage compliance. So you set up your notification rules, and we have a very powerful text engine and email engine uh, in the system, mm. and the robots communicate uh, proactively based on the rules that you fed the robot. Uh, with drivers who are due for uh, compliance updates. What does that and look like, Tim? Do they get a text message that says, hey, your certificate expires in 90 days. You better get that scheduled. Hey, in 45 days. Hey, in 30 days. What does that look that's like? Exa- that's exactly what we do. So in my company, we have the rule set up starting at 90 days. Uh, you start getting a notice by text and by email at 11 o'clock Eastern. Uh, if you're ever in my office at 11 o'clock Eastern, uh, when the robot starts reminding people of stuff, there's phones going off all over the building. Like an amber because, <laughs> Exactly, because I also notify all driver supervisors, all operations managers get the same notification so mm. that they can make sure their people are getting these uh, these updates completed in a timely fashion. That's awesome. And so, so you you're you can... Doing... You can compliance automation with a conversational chatbot, essentially. You've programmed your RPA platform to text your employees to keep them compliant without having a a human manager have to manage that. That is incredible. Um, Let's jump into reporting. Your platform is incredible at reporting. I've seen it myself. Talk about your past experience before being a line haul contractor. Uh, how important were things like KPIs as a department head? And how did that happen then? And then maybe touch on how your IBM RPA powered platform now helps those department heads m- manage their business with reporting. What did that look like and what does that look like? Absolutely. Well, um, any business that's having repeatable positive performance has some key performance indicators that they pay attention to. And as the head of quality and uh, TL 9000, ISO 9000 expert, uh, clearly uh, high-quality processes, world-class processes, uh, yield metrics that kind of, and Six Sigma, which I you know, have experience in, will, will help you understand what's going on in the business and what levers you need to pull to get the numbers going in the right direction, which is a health indicator of the business. 
And at the end of the day, all the health indicators are supposed to help you improve the profitability in the business because it's not a charity. We're here to help. Uh, we're here to make money. And um, that's the goal. And if you're not measuring what's going on in your business, you cannot manage it. And so all along the way, I've been involved in creating and managing a series of key performance indicators and trying to, then you encounter a problem in the business and you immediately start saying, well, let's take a look at the data uh, and then let's figure out how we can identify some key uh, performance indicators from this data that will help us keep from making that mistake again. And one of the things I like to say is before you can measure it, you have to get command of the data. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to architect systems that get command of the data. And that's what we've done. That was step one in my ground force is we get your settlement information and we put it in a database. And then we collect uh, driver information and tractor information and other scheduling information. We collect that data and we put it in a, in a place. And then we leverage the robots to take that data and turning in, turn it into um key performance indicators for your business. So uh, when I got into, obviously, I've done a lot of KPI stuff in my past, but this is a new kind of version of KPIs, and it's a different kind of company, right? So what are those key indicators? Mm -hmm. Um, And and one of the things that happens in the business, because I was having to do this, and when these line haul contracting businesses, if you want that data, then as the owner, you spend most of your time all week crunching numbers. And pulling data and putting it in spreadsheets and getting your calculator out and calculating tractor mileage and, you know, fuel cost per mile and labor percentage. And you're doing all this work. Um, I don't do that work anymore. I haven't. We don't have any spreadsheets in my company. We went from a ton of spreadsheets to no spreadsheets. And I don't use my calculator to run my business at all anymore because we architect everything I used to try to calculate for my business I built a dashboard for and the robots update that dashboard every Tuesday night and so when I wake up on Wednesday and I put my navy bathrobe on and I get my navy coffee cup and I sit down in front of my computer all my key performance indicators are already done and I know exactly what I'm looking at and if it's tr- we put trend lines on all the all the dashboards so you know immediately hey does, is this better than last week or not and let me ask you, Tim, we, how specifically is RPA helping power these dashboards? Is it going out to things like FedEx.com, logging in username, password, downloading a report, extracting data, populating more of a master data set that you're then reporting on? Or how do your robots help support these these dashboards? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. We do log in. We do download um, the data into the database. And then we start doing the calculations necessary to support these dashboards. And the dashboards that we built are, are I use the word malleable because, for instance, if you look at my, my, comp- my organization, I have two FedEx companies. Well, I can select one or both of those companies and display the data in the same dashboard. And then you can mm-hmm. manipulate that by a week. I can add a week or take a week away of data just with a click. And so you have to have all that figured out in advance so that the user can manipulate the dashboard to see exactly what they want to see. And so there, you can manipulate the dashboards multiple ways to change the data to look at it the way you want to look at it. You might want to look at it, for instance, I created a productivity metric, which was not something that was in any FedEx ground contractor's repertoire of KPIs. And it's, but it's a very common uh, 
Fortune 500 metric, how much revenue do I get for every dollar of labor that I spend? And so that's a true productivity metric, right? It's uh-huh. a company-wide productivity analysis and one number. And so how much does revenue cost? How much is revenue cost? This is very important if you want to make money, right? So, um, so then we provide that productivity metric at the company level, but we took it another step. We provide it at the driver level. Your drivers in a trucking company are the ones who are actually generating revenue. I don't generate revenue. Only guys who drive trucks generate revenue. So then it's really important to know how productive are they. And so we measure it. We tell you, hey, this, gener- this driver generated this much revenue last week. We're essentially doing a P&L analysis at the driver level. That's so powerful. And telling what is the productivity of this driver. So it's extremely good information for me to have, but it also allows me to compare drivers because you can put several drivers and compare them on the same dashboard. And then if you're having a big disparity between driver's productivity, you have one or two problems. One, the driver is not working very productively, and you need to address that. Or your management team is doing a very poor job of ensuring that that driver's daily work package is aligned with what you're paying him. Mm. And so then you immediately have accountability levers you can start pulling and drive that number, drive that productivity number up. Uh, and calculating that number on your own is not on to impossible, if, you know, with as many drivers as I have. So yeah. we do all that work for you. That's awesome. Such rich reporting, pulling data from various sources, be them online portals or emails, attachments, spreadsheets, CSVs into, into management-friendly dashboards. It, it's a beautiful thing. Tim, we've got a couple minutes left here on the show. I'd love to ask you a couple rapid-fire questions. First off is as you think about RPA now and the future of it, what excites you most? Wow, it seems to be pretty unlimited on what you could potentially accomplish. I mean, we and we've seen that as we've gone through. Um, we 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 had a vision when we first started. Well, if we could just do this, and then we found out what we could actually do, and then we're like, well, what if we did that? And the next thing you know, we actually figured it out, and. Uh, so we have a vision now that we, we are confident we can take our trucking platform for FedEx ground contractors and with some very slight modifications, then it's also going to have a commercial uh, opportunity for, for instance, Amazon relay contractors mm-hmm. or regular trucking companies. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and the, the things that we do, robots are made to do repetitive administrative tasks. They were built to do that. And the robots that we use um, use operate in a hundred different languages, and so we've already had meetings with companies that heard about us in Spain and Brazil, and so we're we know we're going to get the opportunity to do similar type work, but in a different language. So that'll present new challenges that are really kind of exciting to figure out how to solve, and you know how humans think in different cultures is not the same, right? So then you kind of have to change your process a little bit to kind of match how different cultures think. And so that's an exciting thing as well. And the amazing part is that the robots are completely adaptable. They're, you can do with them. They just have an infinite ability to change and adapt to what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. They mimic human behavior on a computer. That that's awesome. I'm just as excited as you are, Tim, about the future of RPA. 
Um, I'm curious. If I could just add, if you think yeah. about in the U.S., what's what what are what are we hearing all the time in media these days about one of the reasons the economy is struggling is a lack of workers. Can't find work. You can't find people to do work. Uh, well, the robots can do an awful lot of that work and allow you to repurpose employees that you have doing what you think are fundamentally important tasks, and they are. But if you think about how that work is getting done. You can leverage RPA technology to do that work and take that existing uh, valuable employee and put them on doing something that's more high value add. Trademark that's it. How sen- yeah, that's how senior leaders ought to be thinking about um, what the future looks like. You you are probably never going to be able to get employees like you used to get them. So you need to just you need to just start thinking about how can I automate. Uh, what I'm doing, and by doing that, you can you can grow your company at a lower uh, indirect cost, which improves profitability. Indirect costs go straight to the bottom line on the balance sheet. So that's what RPA technology can do for you. Yeah, there's so many themes there. It's uh, a, a, a cross-category, cross-industry challenge of finding good work. And again, like you said, these bots are happy to do it. They don't complain. It's 24 hours a day. They work. There's no vacations. There's no benefits required. I mean, this stuff is is paying for itself every <laughs> every month for you. And, and and it's infinitely scalable. Infinitely scalable. Yeah, I love that visual of separating your cost curve from your growth curve. It, it's really nice. So y- you've been a business leader, Tim. You are a business leader. You've led departments and now you're the CEO of, of GeForce, my ground force. Uh, what advice might you have for a business leader, whether they run a team, a division, a department, uh, or a company out there that are maybe thinking about getting their feet wet with automation. They're kind of on the fence. What guidance or advice might you have for them? Well, you know, having been all those things over the course of time, one of the ways that I try to improve my organization is truly understanding what do people do. And and I have a phrase that I use, what are we sticking minutes to? Hmm. And is that, can I find a way to stick fewer minutes or no minutes to that particular task? And I've, I've always managed that way. And now I have some capability um, to have, get that work done. It's not to quit doing that work, but to do that work more efficiently and repurpose that headcount into doing things that are, are more valuable. And so what I would encourage leaders to do is take a look at what are your people actually doing. You might be surprised on how much uh, time you're spending doing things that really are not furthering the strategic purpose of your organization. You consider it to be, well, this is just what you have to do. And I encourage you to challenge that premise mm-hmm. that this is just what we have to do. Uh, rethink what you're trying to get done in your company and how can you maximize the return. I know a lot of people are scared of the technology. I hear this all the time. Well, I'm not a techie guy, Tim. Well, you don't have to be. We can build you a solution that you won't even know what's going on. And that's what's available out there right now. You Don't, don't be scared by the technology. It's mature. There are folks like Salient that really know what they're doing. And they can make, they can integrate this kind of capability into your company uh, without you having to have a PhD in IT. It'll be very simple to use, and it will give you huge returns. So rethink about 
what are you spending minutes on? Because all those minutes are costing you money. And you can grow revenue, but sometimes that's really hard. But you can improve margin by reducing cost. And I challenge you to take a look at what you're spending your time on because that's your most important opportunity for reducing costs. Well said, and thanks for that, Tim. I appreciate it. Um, it is it is interesting and kind of counterintuitive, if you will, that the fear becomes the benefit. The fear of, well, I don't want to automate my employees out of what they're doing. But now that you have automated, say, 20 hours a day out of that administrator's uh, to-do list per week, they get to do much more rewarding people-facing, not computer-facing, partnering, collaborating, strategizing. So that original fear of, I don't want to take 20 hours off of this administrator's plate has become the reward. Thank you. Now I'm working normal hours. Now my work is more rewarding and more valuable to the company. That's um, that's the message we're we're trying to get out there to those leaders considering to automate or not to automate is that fear should become the reward if done properly with the right partners. And um, is there anything else you'd like to add here, Tim? We've got a moment or two left on the show. I've had such a good time chatting with you. I knew this would be a great show for our listeners, but is there anything else you want to uh, maybe leave our listeners with? Well, I certainly appreciate the opportunity, and I, I would add that from the standpoint of what automation has done for me, it's certainly saved me tons of money. There's no question about that. But what it has also done is it has improved my quality of life. Mm -hmm. A whole bunch of time that I used to spend grinding on numbers uh, to get some information that I needed to run my business, I can now choose how I spend that time, Can I? and, and some of that time is spent on, on improving my quality of life. So I would encourage senior leaders to understand that you're not just automating minutes and repurposing employees. You're also maximizing the value of your time. You no longer have to question, hey, where do these KPIs come from? Is the data accurate? You can just look at it, train your eyes, and what used to take an hour will take minutes, and that's an improvement in your own personal quality of life. I have personally experienced that, and I would that's not something that I went into this thinking, uh, but it has been a real result, not only for me, but for my employees. Uh, but I just really appreciate what, uh, you know, this opportunity to talk to you today, Jimmy, and talk about the passion I have for um, hyper automation and how it's improved a small business that you would never think has the kind of high tech we have. You are moving a market, Tim. Any line haul contractor out there, please check out mygroundforce.com. Tim is disrupting the industry, powered by IBM RPA. And Tim, I just had a great time. Thank you so much. We'll uh, let's chat soon. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. Be sure to never miss an episode by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Get your hands on more content like this by following us on LinkedIn and YouTube down in the show notes and say hello. We'd love to hear your thoughts, perhaps even on an upcoming episode. Stay tuned for more episodes of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast brought to you by Salient Process.